But we, after that intense prayer of Jesusness, we, uh, we've been going through this series this year because our teaching theme is kingdom people, trying to figure out what it looks like to be kingdom people. And so we decided we would start off with our first uh, series of the year, and we would call it kingdom people because we're not very good at coming up with names, and so it just worked real well. So we've been walking through the first two weeks. We, we looked at the idea that we are a kingdom of priests. And so basically the idea is if we are kingdom people, then we have a king. You guys know who our king is? Who, who's our king? The 9 o'clock service was way cooler in this thing. He's like, like basically we'll try it again. So, so if we have, we're kingdom people, we have a king. Who's our king? Jesus. Jesus is our king, and he's made us a royal, because that's kingdom language, right? Royalty, royal. He's made us a royal priesthood. So it says lots of places in the Bible. And so basically what that means is that he has made himself known to us and wants to make himself known through us. And that's what it means to be a priest. That's a part of what it means to be a priest. The way that God makes himself known to people, right? And he wants to, he he's works in us. He works in us. And then he wants to work through us because we're his priests and his ministers. And we looked at the fact that he hasn't left us alone in that, that he's empowered us through his Holy Spirit. If you're not a Christian, this is like Christianese language, but it means he gives you what you need to do what he wants you to do, right? He gives you gifts, and he gives you talents. He gives you abilities, and everyone's are different. And if we all work together, beautiful things happen. We work together as a priesthood. And then we looked at the idea that we're a kingdom of grace, and none of us deserve to be adopted into this family, or like Paul says in Colossians, he goes, you got transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, right? Football season's over, some transfers are happening. Dodgers are doing some transferring right now. That's the kind of language he transfers you to this new kingdom. And you don't do that because you're the best player. He does it all because of his grace. And then because of his grace, it's supposed to do something in us. The grace of God is supposed to do something in us so that that work that he created us to do as priests, the grace is actually enables us to do that. He gives us gifts by his grace, right? He gives us everything that we need by his grace. And then the, set, the, the, the third piece we said, we're a kingdom of fellowship. That he gives us each other. By his grace, he gives us each other and we need each other. Uh, although that that's hard for some of us and it gets messy right one thing i know about people is people are messy right and i'm messy and we're all broken right and we're supposed to work together in our brokenness and in our brokenness he does something beautiful and so it's the kingdom of fellowship and today we're going to start a two-week piece called the kingdom of generosity kingdom of generosity because that's something that marks being a kingdom person and i think when, if I was you, but I'm not, because I'm me, but if I was you and I was listening to this, I'd go, oh, kingdom of generosity, he's going to ask me to bring out my checkbook and give him some money or give the church some money. That's not what this, this, this series is about. This is a, not about the fact that God needs your money or we want your money. It's about the fact that God wants your heart and your money and everything else that you're going to give, that you hold on to, it all is a, it, it shows your heart. Generosity is a heart issue. So, so as I was preparing for this, um, I, I started to look at all these Bible verses. I read a couple books um, about, you know, generosity and giving. And just, I don't know, it just wasn't, I was just like, God, what do you want to say? 
I, I'm not really like one for those like how-to manuals, right? Like here's 10 things you need to do if you want to be generous. I, I just didn't, I didn't have it in me. It wasn't firing me up. And I thought, what does generosity even mean? I go like, I've, I've known what, I, I think I know, I think I got my handle on what generosity is, right? I mean, I think I've heard about that all my life. Yet, if you had asked me like, hey, can you define generosity for me? And I was like, a, a smooth definition doesn't roll off my tongue, which I'm pretty smooth. So it's like, very smooth, Jamie says. Very, not just pretty, but very smooth. And so I said, I did what any normal human would do. And I pulled out my phone, and I asked Siri. I said, Siri, can you define generosity for me? You know what Siri said? What she always says to me. I can't understand what you're saying. So I had to type it in. I type in, can you define generosity? And the first thing it brought me to was Wikipedia. And it says this. It says, giving without receiving anything in return. Often, it means to provide help to others by giving them an item without thinking twice. Wikipedia, right? And I thought, that's cool, but I want to get a little more. I mean, what else could it say? So I said, I'm going to ask Jeeves. And I thought, wait, no, that's way old school. I better just give it a Google. So I Googled it. It says, showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. I like that, right? Like Anyone ever done something for you that was unexpected? And you would go, okay, they're very generous. They were generous to me, and you, you've experienced that. I like, I like that one. Then I went old school. And I'm like, for those of you who have a Thomas Guide in your car, you're going to get this. There was this thing way back when called the Webster's Dictionary. And you had to pull it out off your shelf, and you had to look it up. And it was like alphabet. You had to know the alphabet. And... And, and it, it says this, it gave a nice one, it said, to be open-handed or free to give. Webster, I like it, open-handedness, yeah? And, and then I go like, every time, um, this is dangerous, Don't do, do not try this at home, but usually I think it's kind of funny. So I said, let's see what Urban Dictionary says. So I look up Urban Dictionary, it says, the act of being selfish, the act of being selfish on someone else's behalf. I said, I saw what you did there. You, it's like the opposite of being selfish. I like that. Then I thought like this. What do you think if you were one of Jesus' disciples and you were walking along the path and you're like, hey, Jesus, you define generosity for me. What do you think he would say? If you've been reading the Gospels, I know this. He wouldn't give you some slick definition. Would he? He would go off and tell you some crazy story that you didn't understand called a parable, right? Like sometimes Jesus just does that. Like, hey, Jesus, tell me about the kingdom. He's like, all right, there's like this field and there's this dude out there. And he's like, he threw some seeds out there. And then one of them like started to grow up. It got choked out, right? And he goes through four things and he like kind of walks away. And they're like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> and then they ask him about it later, right? That, that's how Jesus rolls. So, so what I'm saying is, we're going to talk about the kingdom of generosity, and we're going to look at a parable this morning. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Luke 18, that's where we'll find it. And Jesus is on a roll right here. He's walking with his disciples. There's some Pharisees around, and he's been telling them just a bunch of stories. And I imagine them going like, wait, what? A lot. And, 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 and sometimes he explains them, sometimes he doesn't. And, and you think, why does Jesus not just give you a bunch of rules to follow? Sometimes. How come Jesus tells parables 
Parables are short stories that have a bigger meaning, right? They're stories you can relate to, but the story is not about the people in the story. The story is about you. He wants to let you figure out how it's about you. He wants to talk to your heart. He wants to go a little deeper than just, here's here's the new stuff you got to do. And so Jesus goes a little deeper here in Luke 18 and in verses 9 is where the story begins. And he goes like this. He was Jesus. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Now, in the NIV, it goes like this. It says it says they thought they were better than other people. That's what it looks like to treat others with contempt, to think you're better than them. And they thought that they were righteous because of what because because of their their own actions. And he goes, and remember, this isn't a real, this isn't Jesus. Jesus' disciples aren't witnessing this. This is a story. Jesus is kind of making up, mate, we're thinking. It's a parable. He goes, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like that guy over there, that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector was standing far off, and he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you this. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. How does that hit you? You hear that parable. What are some thoughts that you think when you hear that parable? What does this mean? There are some pieces in here that stood out to you. Anybody? This is a up, we call the upside down kingdom, right? Here you got this Pharisee. Now here's the thing: as uh, two thousand years later, Christians, right? We don't we don't hear it this idea of Pharisee the same way that the the original uh, listeners to this parable would have been would have heard it, right? Because we we know some things about the Pharisees that they did not know, because Jesus told us like they're a whitewash tomb right they're a brood of vipers right they are hypocritical like these stories hadn't come out yet they didn't know all these things although the pharisee meant to them they were the guys with the shiny cars and the suits and the and the big bibles and and they do all the right stuff they're the religious people they're the ones we should look to to figure out how you're supposed to do this thing called following this god that's the pharisees in this story at least that's how the first reader would have appeared. And yet, who are the tax collectors? Israel has now been, been under the rule of Rome. Rome is, is enforcing all of the laws on them. He gives them some freedoms. He allows them to worship. We see they're in a temple. They're allowed to worship the way they want. But they're not allowed to talk ill about Caesar. We know that. You don't say, you don't, you don't talk trash about Caesar. You, you pay taxes. You got to pay taxes. And... Don't stir up trouble in the streets. 
that's pretty much what you got to do. You do that, and you can do whatever you want. And, and, they, and they had basically taken other Jewish young men, their own people, and hired them. The Romans hire these Jewish men, and they said, here's what you got to do. You got to go to all your people, collect taxes. We'll send with you some Roman guards, and basically, here's a spreadsheet. You'll, you'll see this person, they, they, they have to pay to Rome this much. You can charge however much you want. You charge anything over this, you keep for yourself. And you have these big old bodyguards are going to help you. Right? Pretty easy. Do you think the people liked them? They were so hated. They were traitors. They were abusive. They were the epitome of, of, of the opposite of a religious person. And yet here's this person who's supposed to be the epitome of what it looks like to be religious. And the upside down kingdom is... Jesus flip-flops them in this story. You see that? It's the upside-down kingdom. Any other thoughts? Anything else you see in here? It's a short story. Mm. Mm. Our actions alone are not what reveal that we're right with God. This guy's doing the right actions. What he's doing is he's, 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 he's giving up a lot. He's fasting two times a week. Does, if you ever read through the Bible, you'll realize real quick, it doesn't say that you have to do that anywhere. They had decided that they wanted to go above and beyond, and, and they were going to that level and doing that. They were fasting twice a week. They were giving tithes. That's, they were giving tithes of 10%. They were giving 10%, and in this piece, I don't know if you caught it, they, they had the same kind of argument. If you, if you, if you, there's a book out called Four Views on Tithing, right? Everyone, New Testament Tithing. Everyone's trying to figure out, like, do I have to tithe? Like, what does that look like? Is it 10% or is it more now or is it less now? Or is, what does that look like? And then, and then if you figure out, okay, it's 10%, okay, well, is that before taxes or after? You get all these, these questions, right? I got questions. This guy's like, like, here, let's just settle it right here. I don't, they, they were having that same argument. He goes, I give a 10% of everything I don't, before taxes. I just give a 10%. Even to, like, when I get, like, if I go to Trader Joe's and I get, like, some spices, I go, like, 10%, and I just give that. 10% of everything. He's talking about everything. I don't know what that looked like, like, if they just wore shorter pants or if they bought them extra long and they give. I don't know how that worked out. But, but he was saying, I give everything. I give a lot. Give a lot. But yet, was it generosity? I don't think it was. Why? Because why? There's something deeper, right? He's he's doing the right thing, but n- he's not doing it for the right. He's not being generous. Yeah, Julie. Hmm. It's it's deeper. It's deeper. It's the heart. Jesus talks a lot about money. We'll just say this in the front. Jesus talks a lot about money. And the reason why Jesus talks a lot about money is not because he needs your money. There's one time he's hanging out with Peter and someone comes up and goes, hey, why don't you guys pay taxes? And Jesus is like, hey, yo, Peter, go down to the beach, catch a fish, open up his mouth, check what's in there. Goes down, catches a fish. Hey, it's just enough to pay your taxes and mine. Comes back, pays their taxes. Jesus doesn't need your money. But he wants your heart. He wants your heart. And, and, and the reality is that kingdom generosity is an act of worship. Kingdom generosity 
is about worship. In Romans 12, 1, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he goes like this. He goes, he goes, therefore, in view of God's mercy, let us offer our bodies as a living sacrifice and holy and pleasing to God. That's our spiritual act of worship. Unpack that like this. He goes like, hey, stop for a moment. Just stop and think about this. God is merciful to us. In view of that, unpack that. Settle on that. Don't move yet till that hits you. Then, then offer your body as a living sacrifice. Like everything that you just, like now it's like I want to do whatever, my life, my, my time, my money, it's not mine. It's, it's like, what can I, for the kingdom, for, for other people, for, it's not, it, it, it's not what matters, right? I've been so stirred up, his mercy's enough for me, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't need this stuff. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it away, right? It's an act of worship, it says. And, and when we think about this, when we look at this story, here's some just practical thoughts. In this story, when I look at this guy, I realize this one thing. I realize that your ego is not your amigo. That's in your notes. That's, if you're new here, that's the kind of church this is. Your ego is not your amigo. We're Spanish-speaking, one word only. Right? Your ego is not your amigo. He goes like this. He, goes, he, he, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves and thought they were better than other people, right? Your ego is not your amigo. Your ego is the part of you that wants to be somebody. Your ego is the you that wants to be somebody. You ever wanted to be somebody? You ever realize you ain't somebody? And then strive to try to become somebody? It's incredibly exhausting. Here's this guy trying to be somebody before God. He's so blackened out by this. He's so uh, 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 just not able to see reality that he's literally thanking God for how awesome he is. God, thank you that I'm not like that guy or that guy or even that guy, but especially that guy. Look at me. Tithe. Fast. And then this other guy, broken down, gone the wrong path, sold his soul to the devil, betrayed his people, and it didn't work. He didn't fill him. And he just comes to Jesus, comes to God, and goes, God, it didn't work. I'm over it. I'm over it. Be merciful to me. Take me back. He goes home justified, not the other guy. Because your ego is not your amigo. And here's the thing. If you think you deserve what you have, that's called entitlement. You think you deserve what you have, or I think I deserve what I have, or somehow I've earned it. You know what, you know what Moses says about generosity in uh, Deuteronomy? He goes like this. He goes, he goes yeah, you, you, you might think like this. Like, I work hard for that. He goes, who do you think gave you the ability to work hard like that? Oh, it was God that gave you that. Yeah. You didn't earn it. You might have worked hard, but he gave you, he put you, you know, he put me in white privilege. 
but, but for the grace of God, how am I going to look at somebody and try, try to say, hey, hey, he doesn't look like me. I'm farther along in life than him. But by the grace of God, I, I, God put me in that place in that time. And thank you, God, for that. But I didn't deserve it. It's all grace. And let me go lend a hand to everybody in light of that. Yeah, it's practical. Because your ego is not your amigo. This guy's struggling with his pride. He's got something to prove. He's entitled. And he gets into this game that we get into where he's comparing with everybody and then competing with everybody. Because if, if, if you're better than me, then I'm not good enough, right? And he forgot what could make him great. You ever, you ever wonder, like, what makes you great? Your achievements? Your ability to understand things? I'm so under, I can understand things. That makes me great. The Bi- you know what the Bible says? It goes like this. He stooped down <laughs> to make us great. And your ego is not your amigo. And, and then we look at this, like, like Jamie said brilliantly, why you do what you do matters. She's absolutely right. We're absolutely right. Why you do what you matters. That's what the story is all about. Why you do what you do matters a lot to Jesus because that shows your heart. There's a story in Luke 7 where another Pharisee is eating uh, at, at G- with Jesus. He invites him over to his house. They're eating, talking about doctrine or something special, right? And he's having this conversation with with, with, with Jesus, right, and like, it's important, right, and this lady comes in, and she's like a nobody, broke down, um, sin a lot, um, no one wants to hang out with her, your kids hang out with her, you, you want to have a talk with them, right, she walks in, and she's weeping at his feet, and, and she's crying, she's broken, she, she, she knows she's a mess, and she, she wants Jesus to forgive her, she needs her hair, and, 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 and then this guy, his name's Simon, Jesus knows his name, Name's Simon. He's having some, some thoughts in his head. You ever do that? Come on. You ever like someone walks in and you're like, Pff. you never say it out loud because you know it's wrong, but in your head you're like, you know that? <laughs> look at that person, right? I'm glad I'm not like that person. I'm a mess, yeah, yeah, but that makes me feel better about myself, right? That guy's really a mess. It's all in his head. And Jesus is like, hey, Simon tell you a story about two people who owe a bunch of money and their debtor forgives them both and he goes hey genius let's let's do some math here there's a math question they, they one owed a lot one owed a little forgave them both who do you think was more thankful he goes oh probably the one who gave a lot he goes yeah simon i came into your house you didn't wash my feet which is a normal courtesy in this land you didn't do any of that She's here, she's weeping, she's, 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 she's broken before me. And he goes, hey, Simon, I forgive her. I forgive her. He goes like this, Simon, those who've been forgiven much love much. Those who've been forgiven much love much. Those who've been entitled think they deserve it, don't even know how much they've been forgiven, how much they've been given. They just deserved it. They earned it. All they do is get dis- mad when they don't get what they think they deserve. They never get thankful for what they have. Because when you love much, when you've been forgiven much, you love much. 
Amy Carmichael is this awesome uh, missionary in India, started an orphanage, rad, rad, rad ministry, uh, died in 1951. She was a missionary for 55 years with no furlough. Can't recommend that. Probably good to take a break every once in a while, but she came up with a lot of really cool stuff. And it's one of those things where when this type of person talks to you about life, you listen because they earn the right to be heard. And she goes like this. She says, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So here's this guy, right? He's like, he's giving. What does this guy do? Is he doing anything wrong? Fasting wrong? No. Is giving wrong? No. Is giving of all you have? No, no, it's not wrong. But though he's giving away his time, his food, and though he's giving away his stuff, is he generous? It's not the definition of generosity. Why he does what he does matters. Why is he doing what he's doing? He wants to be validated. You ever get there? You ever, you ever need to be validated? The answer is yes. It's the way God created us. It's okay. But here's the other question. Think about all the dumb things you've and I've done to try to, like, please somebody, get validation. I, I realize this, and this is, this is a broke-down moment. I'm a sinner. I admit it. I, I had my phone the other day, right? Blessing and a curse, mostly. Probably... I, I, it, it, I, I don't handle it right. And I've I, I, I realized, like, I was checking my phone a lot. And I was reading this article. It said, like, millennials, you know, uh, and like those hipsters, like guys that wear construction boots and have soft hands and bow ties, those guys, they look at their, they look at their iPhone. It said, like, on average, like 30 times a minute while they're, I mean, 30 times an hour while they're awake. And I thought, I'm not that far from that. It's embarrassing, right? Why am I keep looking at this dumb thing, right? You know, I realize I'm not looking at it for information. I wasn't even like trying to ask get any information. And I wasn't looking at it to connect or reach out or encourage anybody. I was looking at it for validation. If I'm honest, like I said a zinger bird. Well, how many people like it? How many people like it now? How many people like it now? <laughs> right? Now I'm at the how many people like it now, right? It was validation. I need validation. Validate me, right? That's me. This guy's there. God, have I done enough? I think I have. I'll just come with confidence and tell you what I've done. And look at these other guys I'm comparing to. Good thing they're here today, right? Make me look good. He just wants validation. He's broken, trying to fill his brokenness and get validation. And he's, he's going about it all wrong. He's not being jealous generous he's being selfish you ever give for selfish reasons he is so we see this thing in here like this other guy he he receives with hands open stop there he receives something from god with his hands open what that means is it means he had to let go of some things he let go of his pride you think you think he wants to walk into the temple as a tax collector, everyone already hates him. You think he wants to walk in there that day? No, he's far off. He's not in the center of the he's not in the center of the temple like the other guy. He's far off. He's over here. So he barely even made it in there. 
He barely even had enough courage to show up. He goes like, I don't, I don't care. I'm giving up my pride. I don't even care because I heard somewhere that you're in the temple. God, I'm, I'm here. I just need you so bad. I'm not, I don't have nothing. That guy's like, he tithes and he does. I don't do none of that. I'm just broken and I'm, I need mercy. <laughs> Give me mercy. He received it. He went home justified that day. So we receive with hands open, and only then are we able to give with open hands. This idea of being open-handed. This guy Augustine, back in like a uh, long time ago, way before Webster's Dictionary, right? He's a Christian. A lot of our Western Christian ideas come from this guy Augustine. He says this. He says, God is always trying to give good things to us, but our hands are full, too full to receive them. Kind of like this. You may think of it like this. You ever have Thanksgiving dinner and you fill up too much? You're no longer hungry for the meal? You're full. He's like, you're trying to you fill yourself with all these other things, and then God's trying to give you something, and you're so full of these other things, you don't even, you know, you don't want to let go of those things and get what God is giving you. He's got these things. That's why often Jesus is like, hey, um, you know what you need to do? You need to sell everything. Not because I want all your stuff. Go give it to the poor. Because your stuff's in the way. I want to give you something. And you're clinging to this stuff. Like, let it go. Let it go. It's like Frozen, the movie. So this guy's full of himself. He's trying to fill his brokenness and find validation in his good actions. It's not working, right? And so we see in this passage, and we're we're not going to get to all of this, by the way. I was overzealous, right? My my pen was bigger than my sermon ability. Uh, I did that at a barbecue. I just came back from Texas, by the way. And there's this sign that goes, don't let your eyes deceive your belly or something like, something like that. I'm like, yeah, I won't do that. I thought I could eat as much as I, you know, put on the plate. It was like three ribs, a little bit of turkey, and some brisket, and I almost burst. I don't know where I got that. <laughs> but, but three things, three things kingdom generosity is and we'll look at three things that kingdom generosity is and then we won't get to that last one we'll get to that next week so 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 three things kingdom generosity isn't next week we'll look at some things that that kingdom generosity is but it's not greedy in motive it's not greedy in motive that's the obvious one that's a given right we all know that right the opposite of generosity one one thing might be greed you're greedy then you're not generous so so, so greedy in motive. This guy, A.W. Tozer, another great theologian. He wasn't a good father, so that was an issue. But he was a good theologian. So be like him in his theology, but not in his fatherness. He says, there can be no doubt that this possessive clinging to things is one of the most harmful habits in the Christian life because it's so natural. It's rarely recognized for the evil that it is, but its outworkings are tragic. Clinging to the things of this world, the things that, th- that we need, right? And it's tragic because it enslaves us and keeps us from being free enough to be generous. There's this popular trend, you guys might have noticed it, I, I, I like... I like uh, 
looking at you know some cer- certain TV shows. I like sociology, watching pe- pe- people watch or watching kind of cultural trends. You guys might have noticed this one. It's called downsizing, right? Everyone's downsizing or minimalizing or getting rid of some. St- I'm getting rid of everything. I'm simplifying, right? I'm decluttering, I'm decluttering, right? I'm 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 going. I had a house. Oh, I'm gonna go from a big house. I'm going to a small house. <laughs> small house. I'm going to a tiny house. I'm going to a house on wheels, right? And you got these TV shows, like, that everyone's doing this, right? Get rid of stuff, like, simplify, right? Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But you might ask, like, what? what's the motive? Why are they doing that? Interesting, because obviously I'm not the only one asking that question. It's on a couple of these shows. Um, they, they ask people, and they go, why are you, what, what, what's your motive? Why are you going to look, searching for this tiny house? And one, one, one girl said, I, I want to have more time for the things that I want to do. I'm going I'm to get rid of this stuff so I have more time to do some things that I want to do, right? Another one, this was on a meme on Facebook with a picture and a words over it so you know it's true. <laughs> this one goes like this. It says, spend money, this is some advice, spend money on, expenses, uh, on experiences rather than possessions. Spend money on experiences rather than possessions. Like, okay, you know what both those things have in common? You're saying... I'm going to be less selfish over here so I can be more selfish over here. Right? Choose your selfishness wisely. That's the moral of the story. Right? I'm just saying this. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying what the what? What if we did stuff like that and we took the excess and we gave it away? With our time, with our, our treasure, with our talent, we said, I won't fill my schedule so full that there's no margin so that when there's a list up there that we need some people to help, I go, I don't have any time. Yeah, you do have time. You just filled it with all this other stuff. And he said, I'm going to, well, I, I want to not do these things so I could do more things over here that I want to do. And he's like, what about what I'm calling you to do? <laughs> right? I, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly... Yeah, we spend so much money. I, I won't even say this. I, when I go we, that's accusatory. I spend so much money on things I don't need. I just do. And I just stop and think and go like, how much happier am I because of anything I bought this week? Zero. How much more fulfilled am I? From anything that I've spent money on this week. Nothing. So greed and motive. This guy seems like he's giving a lot and giving up a lot. But he's doing it. He's doing it for personal validation. To be somebody for his ego. And you know what? Shame on him because shame on he I've been him. I've been him. So we don't give out of guilt. I mean, we don't give out of greed. The other one is giving out of guilt. Now, here's the thing. Giving out of guilt will lead to resentment. Giving out of guilt will lead to resentment. That's true. It'll backfire. Now, now if you grew up in a type of Christianity where you just did a lot of stuff because you, you, you had to do a lot of stuff, 
right? You were just doing the stuff because you, you were doing it out of guilt. I, I feel guilty if I don't do it, right? What do you do? What do I got to do, right? Do it, let's, do, let's do discipleship. What do I got to do? Let me tell you what you got to do, right? Here's what you got to do. You got to do this and you got to do that and you, and you don't do that for sure. Maybe you do this sometimes. This one you don't do and this one you do do. And you got to do all these things and, and then when I get together and we do accountability. You doing it? You not doing it? You doing it? You not doing it? Yeah, we're not doing it. And then you're like all guilty and you're like, I don't know why I'm all dry and this feels like no life. It's just guilt. Just try, it's like guilt, guilt. I'm just trying to manage my guilt. And it's not, it's not, it's not freeing. It's exhausting. Here's the problem, though. The, the alternative is this, because I've, I've discipled a lot of people, and I've been a lot of people. And I don't mean I'm schizophrenic. I just mean life's long, you know? I keep changing, right? So, so here's the thing. I've been met, walked through a lot of people. You walk through these people, and they're like, like, yeah, I'm a, I was going to church, and they were doing this and doing this, and then I got dry, and then I just realized one day, I don't got to do that. I got Jesus. Jesus is full of grace, forgiveness. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that anymore. And they just go do whatever they want. And then they, they spend it on licentiousness. That's the only Christian word I've given you today, right? I give you one Spanish word, one Christian word. Licentious means you just do whatever you want. It means you follow your heart. You know what the Bible says your heart is? It says it's a storage place. You want to follow your storage unit? Go ahead. But I want to follow Jesus, right? <laughs> and, 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 but with this licentious, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And then you get dry there, right? You ever try to just do whatever you want and fill yourself with, with non-religious stuff? Like, no, the religious stuff didn't fill me, so I'm going to do non-religious stuff. It doesn't work. So then you go back to the religious stuff because you went to a men's retreat or a women's retreat or Hume Lake, and you go back over here to the, the non-religious stuff. And you try to, like, make yourself, then you go back and you go back and you're exhausted and you're like, I'm going to give up. Here's what I'm want to tell you today what this story tells you there's a third option there is a third option the third option is this with hands wide open receive his grace and with hands wide open give it all away you think that's crazy Jesus sends his disciples off on, on some ministry. He's trying to train them. So initially he goes, here's what we'll do. I'll send you guys off on your own without me. And you see how it goes. And he goes, let me tell you some things, just a couple things, right? Don't bring shoes so they give you shoes, right? Like he gives you some rules. At the end, you know what the last thing he said was? He goes, this is the last thing he said before they went. He goes, freely you've been given or freely you've received, freely give. Hands wide open, God, you validate me. You satisfy me. You fill me. All this stuff, I'm thankful for it, but I don't need it. And if someone comes along and they need it, here you go, I don't need it. So freeing, right? Even more than a tiny house. There's a third way. The last one, we'll have the worship team come back up. The last one that's not, and then we'll, we'll be done here, is going through the motions, right? Greed is not going to be generous. Guilt is not a sign of generosity. And going through the motions is not being generous. Church, have, I, I know there's, there, there, someone, someone's like some cowboy boots. I was in Texas, I get it. Tell you what, right? This, this is the thing. Have you ever lost your first love? 
Because there's this church in, in, in Ephesus. I don't know. You read about them. They have a whole whole bunch of stuff that Paul talks about. Right? He's pretty. There's a pretty big deal. First Timothy is really a letter for Ephesus. Ephesus, Ephesians. That's a letter. Right? And then in Revelations, Revelations, Jesus is talking through John. He's giving these revelation. It's not revelations, by the way. It's revelation. If you're like a doctrine guy, like you think uh, you just judge me, right? Thank God I'm not like that preacher, <laughs> right? Um, but, but here's the thing. He's, he's talking about all these churches, and he's, it's interesting because he goes, with this church, Ephesus, this church in Ephesus, he's like, their doctrine is great. Doctrinal statement, boom, on point, right? They're doing a bunch, their programs, their programs are unstoppable. Their programs are, like, dialed. You got the right people in the right places with the right memes and the right, like, like the branding, and it's awesome. He goes, one thing you lost, one thing you lost, you've lost your first love. And guess how long it took? 30 years. Paul plants Ephesians, 60s, first century. John writes in the 90s, in 30 years. He goes, look, you're still going through the motions, doing all the right stuff, but you lost your first love. Here's what you need to do. You need to return to your first love. Otherwise, your lamps will go out. Beloved, are you burnt out? Are you feeling like, I just got a little bit of light in this lamp, and I need to put it out there and do everything I can to make it keep shining, because I don't want people to get all judgy. I don't want anyone to notice want that lamp to go out and you're just all your efforts towards keeping that light on the outside looking all nice and he goes no <laughs> there's a way to fill that lamp back up it doesn't come from being somebody it only comes from one thing mercy receiving his mercy and his grace that leads to thankfulness that leads to joy that leads to realizing you've been forgiven much that leads to loving much that leads you back to shining and that's what we want to do this morning as we prepare for worship don't pull out your checkbooks pull out your heart and just say jesus Have mercy on me, a sinner. And you just watch what he takes you from there.